fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then 1 John 1 and verse 3, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And in the course of our study on the subject of fellowship, we've looked at this idea of positional and functional oneness, positional and functional oneness, and we looked at that in two different uh, biblical examples, the first being that of marriage, where a marriage covenant makes a man and a woman one positionally, but then there is a learning and growing and maturing and developing process where that same husband and wife can translate their positional oneness into a functional oneness where they function as one. Then tonight we're going to get more into another biblical example that is um, in place for us, and that is that of the body. The body is another example of functional oneness. Remember Jesus said that He and His Father are one. I and my Father are one. In John 10 and 30, the first part of John 5 and 30, Jesus says, Of uh, my own self I can do nothing. And then in John 14, 10, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Again, that's, that's fellowship language there. I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. He's talking about the oneness, the positional oneness. He says, The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The Father who dwells in me does the works. So do you see again this beautiful picture of Jesus on this earth as a man, uh, as one with His Father positionally, and then functioning as one with His Father, bringing tremendous results into people's uh, lives. Then we went to Philemon 6, a verse that we love here at Heritage. Amen. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And of course this is referring to the new birth realities, the things that, that became true about us because of our being a new creation in um, Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I know I'm going through some of these quickly. We've discussed these at length, but I'm wanting you to, we're going to look at some new things tonight, but I want you to see them in light of some of the other things that we've already talked about and how those things are related. So, the acknowledgement. Keep that word in mind. Acknowledgement. Okay. Hebrews chapter 2 and 11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And we broke down some of these words. Ashamed means reluctant to do something because of a fear of embarrassment or humiliation. And the opposite we said of that in the original language is to rejoice. And so we've said that the problem is not that Jesus is reluctant to say that he's one with us. The reluctance quite often is on the part of the born-again believer to acknowledge uh, not just in their own hearts and minds, but verbally, audibly confess Jesus before men. Amen. Remember he said that if we would confess him before men, he would confess us before his Father. But if we denied him before men, he would deny us before his Father. So this confession, this faith confession, this confessing Jesus as Lord, confessing that he's a son of God, confessing that God has raised him from the dead, all of these things necessary for our salvation. So, Let's go now 
to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. He says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Amen. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now, obviously, Ephesians 5 comes after um, Ephesians 1, but in Ephesians 1, we see that the church is his body. The church is his body. We'll look at that verse here in just a moment. But think about what he's saying here. This word hated means to treat with ill will. And we could really spend the rest of our time together tonight, we're not going to do it, just talking about these words, nourish and cherish. Nourish and cherish. But it has to do with providing, it has to do with caring for, it has to do with creating the right conditions um, for development and for maturing. Um, But then it also has to do with this idea of of satiation, uh, kind of the root word of, of if something like if your thirst is quenched, then your thirst has been satiated. Um, if your, if your uh, needs are met, it, it, it's a root word for satisfied. And the idea behind uh, Jesus nourishing the body and cherishing the body, it talks about the special place that, that the body has in his heart, the love and the affection and the tenderness that he has, but also his desire to see um, the members of his body satisfied. Amen. Satisfied, It is very good. Thank you, Jesus. But then that last verse there, verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. I want you to play, pay close attention to the references of oneness, positional and functional, even though the specific words are not used, they are instead portrayed. Now, I want us to come to terms with some things tonight, if you haven't already. Jesus recognizes and honors you as an individual member of his own body. He recognizes and honors you as an individual member of his own body. He's not, a, he's not embarrassed to do that. He's not reluctant to do that. He doesn't hesitate to do that. Um, but instead he rejoices. And then here's that word acknowledge again. Jesus acknowledges you are one with him. Jesus acknowledges you are one with him. He's waiting for his body to acknowledge our oneness in return. Amen. He acknowledges, listen, <laughs> you ever, um, uh, I remember I was a little kid on a field trip and we were at the Birmingham Museum of Art and um, I got, you know, kind of the crowd, we you know, moving through and I forget exactly what it was, I mean, it, so many, many years ago, but I'm sitting there looking at this one thing, and I just kind of kept looking at it. Well, everybody else moved on, and I'm still just standing there looking at it. I look up, and now a security guard or person, you know, somebody in charge standing there with me, um, and they were not nice. Amen. And so, you know, kind of took me by the arm and wanted to find the group I was with, you know, and, um, and thankfully... Uh, they acknowledged that I was with them, you know. In other words, they, yes, he's with us. Come, he's with us. All right. So when we talk about Jesus acknowledging that you are one with him, you know, if anybody asked him, if anybody asked him, right, hey, Jesus, talk to me about Marty Webb. Oh, Marty Webb, he, <laughs> me and him are one. 
In other words, he, he, he does not hesitate one, one second, one second. Oh, really, what about Lucy Tripp? Oh, yeah, Lucy Tripp, she's been one with me for a long time. See, in other words, he, that's what we mean by acknowledging. He doesn't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know Marty. He, he's a good guy. No, no, see, the acknowledgement is the oneness. The, the, the acknowledgement is, um, again, he is the one sanctifying us. We are the ones being sanctified. We are the work in progress. He's not denying that. But he's not waiting for you to progress to a certain level of maturity before he acknowledges you. He's not waiting for you to grow to a certain point before he says, okay, okay, let's, I think we're safe now, Father, for you know, letting everybody know that they belong. No, no. The minute you're born again, he acknowledges. He doesn't hesitate one moment to acknowledge his oneness with you. Now, it's time that the church recognizes, honors, and acknowledges our oneness with him. And according to the Word of God, if you're born again, you are one with Jesus as much as any member of your body is one with you. Now, I kind of rushed this part, and I'm going to repeat it again, maybe just repeat it word for word out of my notes. But when I was younger, I sensed a call of God on my life to ministry when I was very young. And one of the ways that I know it was really God is because I did not want to do now, I'm loving it now, but when I was a kid, I wanted to be a medical doctor, and I wasn't really interested in being a pastor, but, you know, preaching and these kinds of things, but as a, again, as a very small, young child, I, I, I knew um, that, uh, that this was for me, and so as I grew and matured and developed, it, it became very popular in my teenage years especially uh, to ask God to use you, you know, I want to be used by God, you know. Lord, if you, you know, if you can do anything with me, use me. Oh, God, use me. And so, you know, there were songs about it. And, you, you know, it was, it was typical in those days to have prayer meetings where you just laid around on the floor and begged God to use you, okay? And I, did, I, I spent a lot of time, I'm not, thankfully I know better than all that now, but I spent a lot of time in those days asking God uh, to use me, telling him how much I wanted to be used by him. But stay with me. You are so much more than a tool in his hands. You are his hands. The concept of being used by comes from the world and does not align itself with fellowship. A hammer in my hand is not the same as a member of my body. Now, I understand a desire to be useful, and I think it's a good thing to desire to contribute in a meaningful way to the things of God and to the kingdom of God and to the work of God, all of that. But we shouldn't think of that or even communicate that desire by saying used by, because in no other context is being used considered a positive thing. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to that job again tomorrow, and they just use me up and spit me out. You know, we, there's we, this whole idea of being used by someone is uh, negative in, in every other context. But remember, a carpenter has a relationship with his tools. We might even say that a brush is an extension of the artist. But we are much more than a tool used by the Lord or even an extension of Him. We are His body. 
We are his body. Now, there's a reason, a couple of reasons. One, because the Holy Spirit led me to do it. But, but what I think is back to this acknowledging that we are the body of Christ. And that acknowledgement has to be an, an individual thing. Because you are an individual member of the body of Christ. One body, we'll look at the verses in a moment. One body, many members. My, uh, my grandmother used to talk about, um, you know, there'd be some need, maybe somebody needs some food or something. And, and my Mimi, she would say, well, just let the church take care of that. We'll just let the church take care of that. And finally one day, my mother, I mean, she was respectful, but she was a little frustrated by it. She says, Mother, who do you think the church is? In, in other words, the, the church is the people, right? And, and this idea that the church is some institution that just kind of handles all these things and nobody knows who does it, that's, that's a real problem in the body of Christ today. In other words, if, if me and you aren't doing it, then the church isn't doing it because we're the church. We're the church. And in the same way... If, if me and you are not acknowledging our oneness with Jesus, then the church is not acknowledging her oneness with Jesus. Amen. So when we talk about the difference between you being used by God, see, that's a relationship mindset. A relationship mindset says, I'm a tool in his hand. Oh, if I could just be used by God, right? But see, a fellowship mindset carries it into the reality of truth that we see in the scriptures. And this is that I'm not a hammer in his hand, but I am his hand. Do, do you, see, you, you say, well, you're splitting hairs. No, actually, I'm not splitting hairs. I've got a brush out and I'm cutting in against the baseboard. We're, we're, we're defining some things and clarifying some things. And we, we can sound so spiritual and, and talk, you know, in, in really lofty terms and, and not even realize that, that we're being offensive to God. He, he did all this, oh, use me, God, use me. You know, it's like, he's like, are you kidding me? You are me. I mean, we, you're my body. Uh, and, and so, again, this, this understanding is, uh, is, is very, very important. So, a tool used by Jesus or an extension of him, these kinds of mindsets are rooted in uh, relationship. And, and the relationship myth, one with Jesus and a member of his body are rooted in a fellowship mindset. Now, let's, let's, let's endeavor to answer this important question tonight. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? It's one thing to be the body of Christ. And if you're a born-again believer, whether you understand it or not, you are the body of Christ. Amen. But what what does it really mean, and, and why is it that this is what God has chosen um, for us? We didn't, we didn't say, look, um, God, I, you know, I'm all for getting saved, and I'm all for not going to hell, but it's a deal breaker for me if, if I'm not made one with Jesus, and, I, and if you don't see me as, as a member of, of him. See, no, we didn't do that. This was all God's doings, and, and it's, it's not for us to to deny, certainly. And when I say question, I, don't, I, don't, I mean question like doubt it or, or deny it, okay? Um, but what it is important, I think, for us is to look into this from the perspective of our Heavenly Father, okay? 
So let me, let me get back to my notes. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? We need to answer this question, and as with any question, we need to answer it from the Scriptures, not from religious tradition. This, the body of Christ, I think a lot of folks have this mindset that it's an analogy, or it's figurative, or what is it, metaphor, or simile, or you know, all these different things, just like they have about the new birth. People, people have this idea that, that getting, getting saved is like being born again. It's not like being born again. It is absolutely, actually, literally being born a second time of a new and different seed. And so the body of Christ is, is not um, just an example for us to kind of look at and get a good idea of how it's supposed to look and how it's supposed to work. No, it's a literal thing. That's why in other places, but then it doesn't get any more plain than Ephesians 5.30. When he says body of Christ, he says, I'm talking flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. Literally, come on now, literally the body of Christ. Let me tell you, let me tell you when the church changes the world for the glory of God. It's when we realize that we are the body of Christ. That we are the body of Christ. Now, we need God's perspective on this for too long. We've looked at these truths through a relationship lens. And you'll never see this through a relationship lens. You'll see used by, you'll see tool in his hand, you'll see an extension of, but you'll never see yourself as the body of Christ as long as you're looking through a relationship lens. But if you'll, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to help you see these things from the perspective of fellowship and Father's desire to have fellowship with you, again, fellowship is the ultimate why. All of this relates back to and can only be understood from the position of fellowship. Now, it's been a while since I've had two points that I've went back and forth on more than these next two. And I really believe, amen, that first of all, if you want to pick these to pieces, you can. But I really believe this is how the Holy Spirit said it and how He wants it said tonight. So here they go. Okay, number one. You cannot understand fellowship without understanding the truth about the body of Christ. You, until you understand literally the body of Christ and, and the oneness of a body, the positional oneness of the members of the body and then the functional oneness of the body of Christ, okay, then you're, you're, you may know some things about fellowship, but you'll never understand fellowship without understanding the truth about the body of Christ, okay? But I believe equally true, and this is how much these two are related, you cannot understand the truth about the body of Christ without understanding fellowship. Now, if you just look at these two points, it's like, well, let's just pack up and go home then because we can't understand one without the other. How, how are we ever going to do this? Well, again, th- this is Father God wanting us to, to learn these things, not, okay, let's study fellowship, Okay, and now let's quit studying fellowship. Now let's study the body of Christ. The answer is we've got to grow in both of them simultaneously. We've got to recognize that these two uh, very important truths within the Scripture are not just related to one another, but, but they are intertwined to the point of being dependent upon one another. So... The more you understand fellowship, the better position you're in to understand the body of Christ. The more you understand the body of Christ, the better position you're in 
to understand and grow in your understanding of fellowship. You can't understand one without the other. They, they, they are that related and that connected. Okay? And so when we talk about positional and functional oneness, that is fellowship, a body represents that as far as anything on this earth is concerned better, better than anything else. Now, let, let me show you this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And sometimes I like to highlight words and verses, and you'll kind of pick up on that here. Make sure it came through, and it did, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. <laughs> reckon, reckon what the Holy Spirit is trying to emphasize in, in those two verses. The word one, if you're keeping score at home, the word one is used six times in these two verses. For as the body is one and has many members, one body, many members, one body, many members, one body, many members. But all the members of that body, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Amen. So also is Christ. So he starts out just talking about a physical body. One body, many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. And then he lands the haymaker, right? So also is Christ. In the same way that my body, my, my one single individual body, has many members but still one body, he's saying so also is Christ. One body, many members. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. I want to give you this in the message translation. And uh, it's quite lengthy in the message translation, but I think it's worthy of our time tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, <clears throat> from the message. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of His one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each, we each, used, we each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which He has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of His resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, His Spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and verse 22. Doing some Bible study tonight. You still with me? Everybody good? You got a few more minutes? 
Yes? Okay, amen. All right, Ephesians 1 and 22. 1, 22 and 23. It says, And he put all things under his feet, speaking of Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I'm going to cover some things in the next few minutes that I'm just going to ask you to just open heart, open mind, be led by the Spirit. Search these things out. Pray about them. Meditate on them. Okay? Um, some of the things I'm going to say are, are strong. Amen. And to be honest with you, I'm like, Lord, this is, this is good stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying this. You know, I've got a lot of notes on this, things I've written about this, so forth and so on. But I'm not really sure I'm ready to share this. And yeah, you're ready to share it. It's time, it's time to share it. And not that I'm trying to hold back on you, I just, um, there are times that I get excited about stuff, but it's, um, it's a half-baked sermon. <laughs> in other words, um, I got a lot of stuff in the oven, okay? I keep a lot of open tabs in my life and, and things that I'm working on, and I enjoy it that way. Don't misunderstand me. It's, it's, it's a blessing, and um, I got notes to keep up with notes. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff in all this. And this is a part that I've been really excited about, but kind of thought maybe we would just push it to later in the year. But I feel like it's time tonight. And, and as, as it relates to what it means to be the body of Christ, I'm asking you to not judge these things based upon religious tradition, but I'm asking you to look at what the Word says because the only place we're ever going to get God's perspective on these things is if we consider what he says about these things, what he's communicating to us about these things. If we try to look at it from the perspective of what we think sounds right, or what we think it ought to be, or what we heard mom and them say, or what this church believes, or that denomination says, then we're going to remain confused about all this. But there is a, there is a level here, there is a, there is a standard here, there is a mindset what we call a fellowship mindset, a oneness mindset, amen, that, that we've got to come into agreement with God on. Because remember, the best advice you could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with Him quickly. And if these are things that He's established, if these are things that He has said, it's not, it's not our place to argue with Him or deny. It's our place to ask the question, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. I'm seeing this. Now help me understand it not from the perspective of being superior to somebody else because I understand something they don't, but from the perspective of this is very important to you, Father. My desire is to please you. My desire is to submit to you. My desire is to cooperate with you. Amen. And how can I do that if you're saying one thing and looking at it one way and I'm saying something else and different and looking at it another way? Amen. All right, now. Let's go back to real quick. So he put all things under his feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church which is his body. To the church which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And again, Ephesians 5.30. Just to, I want that verse to be in your mind as well as we, as we move forward. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
So there's a key phrase, and it's divided by a verse break, verse 23. But if you notice, verse 23 begins with a lowercase w. So I'm going to take that number 2-3 out and just combine where the comma ends at the end of verse 22, church. And this is what we see. Head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is how this would have originally been delivered to the church. Uh, fresh off the, the Holy Spirit's uh, pen as, as used by the Apostle Paul. And there, was, there was no chapter and verse in this original letter. We put the chapter and the verse in to make it you know, accessible so I can say, you know, turn to this chapter, this verse, and we can all be on the same page no matter what publisher published your Bible. Okay? But again, this is how it was originally written, and I think this is very important for us to see it this way. All right? So he gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now we see something here that's, I think, astounding. He's saying that the church, which is the body of Christ, is the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who fills all in all. So he's saying that you and, uh, and I are the fullness of him who fills all things. We are the fullness of the one who fills everything else. All right? Now, let me, let me break this down a little more. The church is the fullness of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, we'll look at these verses in a minute, but Jesus, the Bible says, is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All right? And Jesus fills all in all. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Colossians 2, 9, and 10. A few more minutes. Colossians 2, 9, and 10 says, For in Him, in Jesus... Stay with me now. This is important. Stay with me, okay? There's a reason why. The Bible says that in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine. And it's very easy for us to splash around in the, in the, in the shallow places of God's truth. And, and as we've been using the example of, you know, just taking a roller and rolling a wall, you know, about three-fourths of the way and then going to another room. Um, but to, to really get to the heart and the truth of things, it requires some effort. It requires some... Um, uh, concentration and focus. And we know Satan comes to steal the word and he, he certainly wants to steal this from us. And one of the ways that he has stolen these truths, but he hadn't just stolen, see if he steals it from you and me, then he prevents Father God from enjoying with us what it is that he desires to enjoy with us. All right. So for in him dwells all the fullness, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, this word complete and this word fullness come from the same Greek root. They come from the same Greek word. Plero or pleroma. Okay? And we see in some translations, fullness... And in others, they use the word complete. For example, 
the God's Word translation. The church is Christ's body and completes Him as He feels everything in every way. Almost sounds like blasphemy, doesn't it? What? Completes Jesus? How about this one? Ephesians 1 and 23 from the Good News Bible. The church is Christ's body, the completion of Him who Himself completes all things everywhere. Now, I think it's pretty obvious that we are complete in Christ. Amen? Would you agree with that? I think, praise God. We are complete in Christ. The Bible is very clear about that. I don't, I don't, I'm sure there's probably a church somewhere that I could preach that. And, uh, and, 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 and practically every person listening would agree. Amen. We are complete in Christ. But now if we look at this through a fellowship lens as opposed to a relationship lens. See, a relationship lens says, I'm complete in Christ. A fellowship lens says, because I'm complete in Christ, Christ is now complete in me. Now see, this, this is like, oh, hold on a second, Pastor Mark. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible absolutely says that. The Bible absolutely says that. I'm reading it to you right now. You see, in fellowship, this is one of the things you've got to understand about fellowship. When it comes to fellowship, all things are mutual. When it comes to fellowship, all things are mutual. Mutual means all things are held in common by everyone involved in the fellowship. Amen. Meaning, if we are complete in Christ, He must require us for His own completeness. Now, I am not showing you this for shock value. There was a time in my younger days that I was trying, you know, man, let's find something in here extreme and let's, let's be on the cutting edge. Let's, and I'm, listen, that's good. I'm not, but listen to me. That is not my heart. I'm not trying to frustrate you. I'm not trying to, to be extreme. Because again, what's happened is the enemy has characterized these teachings as extreme when this is not extreme. This is, this is mainstream. This is, this is right down the middle of what it is that God came to do for us and with us and in us through the sacrifice of His Son Jesus. I'm not showing you this for shock value, but I'm, I'm wanting more than anything else to reveal to you the depths of God's heart concerning fellowship with you. You are not complete without Jesus. Jesus is not complete without you. Therefore, the Godhead is no longer complete without the head and the body of Christ. In the same way, my family is no longer complete without my covenant children and my grandchildren. And what do I mean by that? I've never, I've never liked and to my best of my ability I refuse to refer to Gina and Jake as my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law I understand the terminology I understand I'm not violating some spiritual law by saying that or something like that I just, that's not who they are to me 
And the Lord, um, some months ago, I said, Father, help me with that, because, you know, and this is what he told me. You ready? He said, they're your covenant children. They're your covenant children. They're your children by virtue of a covenant with your son and with your daughter. Amen. So Gina is my covenant daughter. Now watch this. From this point forward, my family will not be complete without her. And, and from this point forward, my, my family will not be complete without Jake. I think it's got more to do with the daughter getting married than the son, you know, but when you've heard me say this before, they asked me, they say, are you going to cry when Bethany marries Jake? I said, I'm going to cry if she doesn't marry him. It's like a son to me from almost the day one. Now, there was a time it was me and Pam, and our family was, wasn't complete, but you understand what I'm saying? We, we were one. Then comes Bethany. Then comes John Mark. But now, a son in Jake has been added by covenant. A daughter in Gina has now been added by covenant. And now that functional oneness, Samuel turned two today, by the way. Little Sam, Sam, two today. Two years ago today he was born. Oliver. Now we've got Elsie Caroline coming in in just a few days, maybe a few weeks at the most. Gina says few days, don't say weeks, Amen. And then Amelia Grace is coming in February. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? There was a, my family is no longer, so I'm going to go back to it. You are not complete without Jesus. Jesus is not complete without you. Therefore, the Godhead is no longer complete without the head and the body of Christ. There was a day when the Godhead was complete. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But then they decided to create you and me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so because you're not complete without Jesus and Jesus is not complete without you, the Godhead is no longer complete without the head, Jesus, and the body of Christ, you and me. Now you may not see it this way, but God clearly does. We came forth from Him. We were in Him before He breathed us into Adam. We are not a toy for God's amusement or an experiment for His curiosity or slaves for His pet projects. We were created by Him in His image and in His likeness. We are His offspring, born of His Spirit, born of His seed, a partaker of His divine nature, created again in Christ Jesus according to true righteousness and holiness. We are the greatly beloved and highly esteemed bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ, literally bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. And because we are the body of Christ, the Son of Man finally has a place to lay His head. The same Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the deep at creation empowered every human who ever performed a miracle and raised Jesus from the dead after three days now abides in us forever without measure. We have been called to fellowship with God and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ and with every other member of His body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Now watch this. I mentioned this verse last week. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. What is he saying there? Look at it in the Amplified. For, as we all know, he, Christ, did not take hold of angels, the fallen angels, to give them a helping and delivering hand. But he did take hold. Come on now. He did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. You are somebody to God. I'm telling you, I don't think the half of it's been understood yet. How much He loves you. How much He longs for you. How much He desires you. He doesn't see Himself as complete without you. That's that's what you've got to understand. There, There are a lot of people in this world, they see themselves as complete without Jesus. See, we know, we've come to that point in our lives. We understand that I'm not complete without him. And, and, and that's, that's accurate. But where we've stopped short, see, that's a relationship mindset. A relationship mindset says, man, I, I'm not complete without my relationship with God. Okay, amen. But see, what you don't understand is when you take it to the next level of fellowship, this is when you realize that you don't see yourself as complete without him, but he doesn't see himself complete without you. Would I see myself as complete without my left arm? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? My left arm is a member of my body. I can still function without my left arm. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, but I'm just trying to, again, I'm trying to show you how we are to literally understand this. My body can make it without my left arm. My left arm can't make it without my body. But watch this. Neither one of them are complete without each other. My left arm is not complete without my body and my body is not complete without my left arm see we, we've tried we go, let's go back to the difference between equal with and equal to amen 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 alright I feel like I've done what I was supposed to do tonight thank you father for your love thank you for helping us thank you father that you've got a lot more to say to us about this Lord, we, we're not trying to be controversial, but the, the, the truth is confrontational. And I thank you, Father, that you're, you're, you're awakening something in your people where these things are concerned, Father. You're, you're inviting us to come on up. Positionally, we're seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. And, and you're inviting us to come on up, Lord, and to recognize the, the esteem, the, the value Lucifer fell and a third of the angels and you didn't even offer him a a helping hand. We fell and you came running. Oh, Jesus, help us understand. Help us understand. Holy Spirit, thank you for being so patient with us all the times that we've grieved you with our ignorance and our sin and our, our, our wrong speak and talking and speech and things we've said, Father, that... Thank you, Holy Spirit, for hanging in there and being so patient with us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for grasping, helping us, helping us grasp these things and, and arresting our attention, speaking profoundly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your love. You have a great, great rest of your week, and we will see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.